It's a delight to have everybody in the same joint on the same day. Uh, some of you are folks who are seven milers who worship Jesus on Sundays in Malden. Thanks for taking the trip up here. We saved you an hour. We gave you an extra hour. Some of you are seven milers who worship Jesus here in Melrose and are helping us plant this Sunday service in sight. A bunch of you guys are from uh, parents and brothers and sisters. It's just a delight to have you worship with us. We're rolling family style today, so there will be little baby sounds, uh, maybe little toddler screams. It's totally cool. And we're going to preach a little shorter than we normally would, but long to center ourselves around the Word of God. And, and just this is our chance to remind ourselves of what we are doing here. It is so hard for the human heart to celebrate rightly Christmas. We're proud. We're easily distracted. We run so quickly to the shallower and more petty things, and we miss out on the big, huge, glorious things. It's, it's our hope that this time that we have this morning helps us again to set our hearts rightly to celebrate what God has done in orchestrating the events of Christmas, in sending a Savior for us, the incarnation of the Son of God for our life and joy the fulfillment of his promises to send us a redeemer, one who would make all things right and all things new forever. That's our joy together today. All right, I hope that this month you have found some ways to center your soul on the realities of Christmas. For some of you guys, it's that Advent calendar that you open and you work through. For some of you, it's singing those better Christmas carols and really resting in those words. For some of you readers, you pick up the latest book and you work through the Christmas story again. I hope for all of you, it's the Word of God, the text of Scripture, shaping your soul toward responding rightly to Jesus. If you were to spend time in the early chapters of Matthew, in the early chapters of Luke, and really in the entire story of redemptive history, you would see these themes busting out that we get to rejoice at Christmas. So one is the theme of babies. It's part of why we love having these little guys making noise while we worship this morning. Christmas is about babies. It starts with John the Baptist miraculously conceived inside of Elizabeth's womb from out of nowhere, totally unexpectedly. This baby boy, miracle boy, who would be the forerunner to the Christ. The story continues with that baby boy doing 360s in his mother's womb at the sound of the voice of Mary carrying another baby boy inside of her. And of course, you have Mary getting visited by an angel in secret, the scariest, wildest, most unexpected, intimidating visit that a virgin girl could have, someone saying, you're going to have a baby. I love the way that Luke's text says it, that Joseph took Mary with him to be registered. She was his betrothed and... She was with child. I love that translation of that text. It's more than just pregnant, which is the condition of the mom. She was with child. Where is God in his grace by his spirit driving us to, in those simple words, to the child, to the baby? The emphasis is on the son who would be born. So we wanted our kids to worship with us today because children, babies in particular, is a theme of Christmas. Now, if you kept working through the story, you would see this other theme all over, and that is the theme of humbleness, humbleness. 
Have you felt this in the Christmas story? You must have. Mary, the mother of Christ, is a nobody teenage girl. Mary and Joseph are from the last town you would ever expect the Messiah to be born to, Nazareth. I I don't know how to capture this for you. It was like strike one, Nazareth was in the northern part of the land of Israel. If you were going to be from somewhere, it would be the south, Jerusalem, Judea, the sophisticated intellectual chief priests and scribes, the center of their worshiping life, not the north. Strike two, the north was butted up against the land of the Gentiles. They called that Galilee of the Gentiles. It was unclean. If you had to go there, you'd want to get out in a hurry. Strike three, she was from Nazareth, which is like the worst of the possible cities up in that area. I'd give you some examples of Massachusetts, but I don't know who is from where, but you can think (laughs) through them. And I won't say Worcester or Springfield, okay? But you can think through what Nazareth would have been like when Nathaniel finds... Somebody was from Worcester and they're like, oh. (laughs) When Nathaniel, Jesus' disciple, hears that this Jesus is from Nazareth, what's his response? Can anything good, valuable, worthy, honorable come from Nazareth? That doesn't fit. It was a backward city. They had backwards accents. It's the last place you would imagine. Jesus is born in a barn, and he is laid in a feeding trough, and he is dressed with cloth. No palace, no nursery, no pottery barn crib, no down blanket. Mary and Joseph were poor when they go to dedicate, circumcise, present their child at the temple. They give the offering that only a family that was in poverty would give. Doves. This theme should amaze us. God, the Son, infinitely glorious, the King of all creation, becomes nothing, identifying with the spiritually broken, the destitute, poor sinners like us. Humbleness is a theme. That is, of course, matched with glory, right? So you could not keep glory out of the story. The most fitting part of the story is when the heavens burst open and the angels sing to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest, and the brilliance of heaven intersects that field. That's the kind of glory you expect to accompany the Christ, the King. And we also feel it in the story that we just did with our kids, the visit of these wise men. These brilliant, prestigious magi, as Abby told us beautifully, and they represent the nations, and they come from afar seeking out this baby, and when they find him, they give gifts, but they don't just give any gift. The scripture says it beautifully, treasures. They bring treasures, and you can feel glory in that scene. Honor, worth, value, kingship, glory. And you see that and you're supposed to ask yourself, if this heaven-sent peasant baby is going to be visited by these men bringing treasures, what kind of a treasure is he? If these are the gifts that he receives, what kind of gift is he about to bring into this story? And so we also know that one of the themes of Christmas is about giving gifts. And that's the one I want to finish on and talk with you at the end today. The Magi giving gifts 
Christ as a gift to us. Did you hear it in the text I read when we were receiving the pardon of God for our sin? The free gift of God, unlike the trespass. Christmas is a time for giving and receiving gifts. Okay, let's talk about this because it's Christmas Day and most of you guys have already been tearing stuff open beneath the tree. There's at least two kinds of Christmas gifts. One is the kind that meets a need, and then the other is the kind that thrills the soul. Okay, do you know what I mean when I talk about a meets a need gift? Did anybody get the question this year, hey, what do you need for Christmas? This is usually your mom asking you that question because you're too old and she doesn't know what you want, but she wants to get you something. What do you need for Christmas? Okay, what are some of those meet a need gifts? What comes to mind? Socks. Super warm socks, fuzzy ones. Good, I need those. What's another? Hey, I need this. Food? You didn't get a, a, a carton of milk for Christmas, did you? <laughs> Sarah? All right, food is a meet and need gift. Come on, you know those Christmas gifts, right? I need new tires on my car. Can you hook me up at Costco? That would be great. I need pajamas. I, I need some fresh drawers. That would be, I need this gift, and I would be really thankful for it. Are these good gifts? Totally, absolutely. You, you open that, and you're like, this was a, a thoughtful necessary gift. We love these gifts. They're useful. They're helpful. We need them. We would be thankful for them. But then sometimes you get a question that is asked a little bit different like this. Hey, what do you want for Christmas? Ooh, now your shoulders kick back a little bit. You go, okay, that's a different question. And it comes with a different answer. All utilitarianism is now thrown out the window. What do I want what would bring me immense joy? What would delight my heart? What would thrill my soul? This is a different list right here. Okay, somebody give me some thrill the heart Christmas presents. A new electric guitar. I could live without it, but man, that would be killer. Xbox. A Harley? Yes, you've seen those commercials, right? The Lexus with the bow. You know that's never actually happened in the history of Earth, but marketers <laughs> find a way to get you to buy a car. Yes, that would thrill my soul. A Harley, a Lexus, a pinball machine, a pony. This, I don't need these things, but that would be sweet. Right there in my backyard, 20 by 20 yard pony hay. It would be great. This is the kind of gift that is more than just meeting a need. It gets where? At your affections and your gladness and your delight. Okay, now usually these two kind of gifts do not go together, right? It's usually either or, I needed that, thank you, or, ah, oh, I wanted that, thank you. But here's the glory of Christmas that I do not want you to miss this year, please. The wonder of the birth of the baby born in the barn in Bethlehem is that the birth of Mary's son, we are given a gift that both meets our deepest need and at the same time thrills and satisfies the deepest part of our souls. This is why this is such a joy.
So first and foremost, the birth of Christ meets our need for a Savior. We can talk about this today. We should. It should be at the front of your mind every day of your life that all of us and each of us without Christ is hopelessly lost in our sins. By nature and by choice, we have rebelled repeatedly and terribly and consistently with our thoughts, our motives, our words, our deeds, all of them. And because of that, the just wrath of God necessarily hovers over us. God cannot tolerate, cannot wink at, cannot dismiss, cannot ignore, cannot downplay our sin. He can't do it. And because we are sinners who sin, we stand condemned, unable to right our own ship, unable to atone for what we've done. We need, we need a Savior to rescue us, to redeem us, to help us, to save us. And this is what Christmas is about. God promised from the beginning, Eve, that a son of hers, the seed of the woman, would come and right all wrongs. And that seed promised from the beginning, that is Mary's baby, born of a woman, born of a daughter of Eve, given to us. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save people from their sins. We need that. We need it. And Christmas gets that done. Don't ever miss that Christmas is God saying, what do they need? The free gift will be given to them to meet that need. Okay, now I could be done right now. That would be glorious enough for us to sing for half an hour and celebrate every Christmas the mercy of God. We did not deserve, we're not entitled to, but he gave us a gift of salvation, of righteousness. But the reason that Christmas is just even more than we ever could have imagined is because it's not just about a gracious gift of God that meets a need, but it is also a gift from God that thrills, that delights, that satisfies the soul. And this is because Christ did not just come to save us from something, the wrath of God, but to save us to something, a restored communion, relationship with God himself. The gospel is not just being saved from hell. It's about being saved to God and his heaven and his life. We are not supposed to rejoice in Christmas only because of what this baby would grow to do for us, but we rejoice in that today. We are to rejoice in Christmas because of who this baby would become to us. We were made to live in communion with God, enjoying his perfections receiving his grace, reveling in his mercy, delighting in his person. We lost our ability to enjoy all of that, our capacity for knowing God in that way. The one thing in the universe that would most thrill our souls, satisfy our longings, was removed from us when we were removed from God. But Christmas is God 
stepping back into our lives to bring us back to himself. Christmas is God taking on flesh to walk among us to bring us back to God. In this sense, Jesus' greatest gift is the gift of himself. It's why we say God is, he is the gospel. Christmas is not just him doing something for you. Christmas is him giving himself to you. And so Christ meets a need, but Christ also comes to satisfy a soul. And what's astonishing is that he does this permanently forever in deeper and deeper and deeper ways. Most Christmas presents that thrill the heart have a shelf life, right? So you get that pinball machine and it's insane for one day and it's nearly insane for that one week and it's pretty cool for a month and then it's in the attic. You get a puppy. Well, some of you are dog freaks, so the puppy like sticks with your heart and soul for a long time. So let's say you get a pony. Whatever you get, it's just not as cool as it was a year from when you got it. How about Super Mario 3D Land? Because that gift is about to be given in the cruise home, and it will be wild for a while. And then the affections for Super Mario 3D Land will be gone. Do you know that it is not so with Christ? He is infinitely glorious, infinitely beautiful, infinitely wise, infinitely merciful, infinitely brilliant. Your soul can delight in If you're his, will delight in his person forever without ever waking up one day and not being thrilled that Christ is yours. And so Christmas pulls together what you need. Rejoice in that with me today. And Christmas pulls together everything your heart could ever desire to be thrilled and delighted and satisfied It is the reason we give gifts because we have been given the, the gift. And I need you to set your heart to receive it rightly today. All right, I came across this beautiful Proverbs this week, getting ready to preach the shortest sermon I have ever preached in my life right here. Solomon wrote this. It's beautiful. As cold waters for a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Seven Mile, I love you guys, and this is how I want you to receive Christmas with me today and the rest of this day. Christmas is good news that comes from a really far country, right? Two millennia removed from the intersection of heaven and earth in that barn. This happened on the other side of the world. News that a baby boy is born who would live the perfect life and die a brutal, bloody, atoning death and then be risen from the dead to give you his life. That news is supposed to be like cold water to a thirsty soul. You are desperately in need of water to live. You are dead without it. But when that cold water comes and hits that thirsty soul, it is more than just a drink. It satisfies. That is where our hearts need to be in rejoicing in Jesus today. If you have not been there, repent of that with me today and say, God, my heart still disdains who you are. Help me to see you right. And just be exploding the rest of the time we have today in joy for this God who knew what we needed and met that need freely, undeserved, and in doing so, 
gives us himself a treasure to delight us forever. All right, let's pray that through. Father, we want to be a people who get, can there be a church somewhere that gets the glory of the gospel? I pray that would be us. I pray that would be 10 churches in Melrose and in Malden and tens of thousands of churches across this planet a people who come to see their sin and their need, that they don't deserve anything from you, but that in your mercy, you come humbly to a humble people and you bring life. I pray that as we give and receive gifts today, all of it would drive back to the free gift of God that was unlike our sin in the garden, that instead forgives sin and makes us right with you, and satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts. Can you take the hearts of every man and woman and boy and girl that's in here this Christmas and cause us to believe this gospel, to receive this baby, to rejoice in his grace? Come and do it for us, I pray. Amen.